Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 10 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we are going to be joined by Lewis Frank, U.S. motorsports writer for Reuters. He has covered the motorsports scene in NASCAR, F1, IndyCar, you name it, for uh, a good part of four decades plus. And we'll get his insights on uh, his time covering racing and also looking ahead to the start of the 2021 season, which is just a few days away with the Daytona 500. Dominic Oregon of the RacingExperts.com is here with us as well. David, let's start with you. I know uh, we're getting down to the crunch time here, just under two weeks away from Daytona, man. How excited are you right now? Man, I'm real excited. You know, I'm headed over to Charlotte, uh, North Carolina here in a couple of days. And, uh, you know, uh, God, what a stressful time it is for a lot of us drivers. But for me, uh, for me personally, just trying to finish up a lot of our uh, our sponsor agreements just to make sure that we have enough funding to be able to run the whole uh, season. And, uh, you know, we're just waiting for a couple of phone calls and trying to solidify a couple more deals. And uh, hopefully next Monday we'll announce what we're doing. So I, I'm excited. Been a lot of sleepless nights. But, hey. We're here on our podcast, and I think it's awesome. We got Lewis on here with us, and uh, what a big honor it is. I can't wait to hear some of his stories. But, uh, but man, just, uh, hey, we love racing, and uh, racing's fixing to kick off, especially our NASCAR our season. And, uh, man, and, and seeing the auto racing on television the last couple of days with the 24 hours uh, race of Daytona was really something special. So I'm sure we'll talk about it. But, uh, but anyway, just uh, – Looking forward to the season to get cranked up. No doubt about that. Dominic Aragon from the RacingExperts.com is here as always. Dom, appreciate the time, man. What's happening with you? Man, always fun to be on the show. I know every show, but oh, this is our fourth show or sixth show. Guys, this is our 10th show. I was reading wow. the other day that a quarter of all podcasts don't even make it past two episodes. So here we are making the double digit mark. So happy to be here. And honestly, it's not possible without the fans and the dedicated NASCAR fan base that listens and tunes in every week. So from the bottom of our, from my heart, from our hearts, we truly appreciate you guys tuning in every week and, and making this platform possible. Absolutely. And Absolutely. a reminder for the folks out there, you can subscribe to Let's Go Racing with David Starr. New episodes out each and every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, also the video version on YouTube. And uh, you can check us out there. We're also on social media, Facebook.com, David Starr Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and uh, also v- available via email at a starpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us there. Well, I will introduce Lewis today because uh, I-, I think I know him the best of the three of us. Uh, I got to meet this guy at the Daytona 500 last year, and we stayed in touch ever since, connecting on anything from auto racing to the XFL. I mean, the- the- he's-, he's a character. He's got plenty of stories <laughs> to tell, and he joins us right now. Lewis, thanks for joining us, man, and uh, hope you're doing well out in uh, Charlotte. What's going on? Absolute pleasure. Uh, we, you know, we, I, I'm an ex-New Yorker. I was telling David before we started, I'm a damn Yankee. So for the folks out there who don't know the difference, I used to come to Charlotte in January for the media tour, and I got to know the area, and I got to love it. So the difference between a, a Yankee and a damn Yankee is I was a Yankee. I came down here. I spent money. I went home. Right, David? And <laughs> Yankees stay. <laughs> so I've been down here for seven years. So that made you a damn Yankee. Damn Yankee. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, 
Lewis, I can tell you there's a lot of great damn Yankees down in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. So I'm glad that you're one of them. And uh, I tell you, you know, you, you have done so much for our industry. And, not, and I say our industry. I don't want to just say NASCAR racing in general. I'm just talking about IndyCars, Formula One. What you have brought to the table and covered for the race fans in our sport has been phenomenal for as long as you have. So it's just it's amazing your uh, your longevity as a journalist in, in, in our industry. You know, it's pretty cool. Thanks very much. It's not true. I did not cover Fred Flintstone. <laughs> not that old. But, but I've been around a long time, and I, I am a gearhead. I love racing. Uh, the one thing I've noticed covering all these sports is that, uh, is that I mean, the, the people with a racing heart, whether it's a fan, an owner, driver, crew chief, they get it. Uh, one little example I didn't tell Tyler earlier was, but you'll see some pictures later. I was associated with something called Driver of the Year. It was an award. Uh, it's bench racing, and, and they, they only had a few riders broadcasters across the country, and we had to rate drivers versus drivers. The year that Nigel Mansell uh, won the title in IndyCar, uh, funny thing is he used to have a banquet on Friday afternoon. Does that sound like something you know about NASCAR Friday evening? But So Dale Earnhardt was in town for the banquet. He heard Nigel Mansell was at the lunch. He comes in, he says, I want to race you. So, so racing, it's small and it's big at the same time. It's wonderful. And if, if you love racing, you can find somebody at the four corners of the world. And I've been to Japan. I've been to South America. I've been to Europe to cover races. And, and again, again, starting with the fans, if it wasn't for the fans, I'd have to still be a lawyer. Nobody wants another lawyer. Uh, <laughs> I've been very blessed to, to meet wonderful racing people in my career. Absolutely wonderful. So, Lewis, uh, how do you go from attorney to motorsports rider? What was the journey for you? How did you get started? Well, I grew up on Long Island. <laughs> Long Island. And uh, there was a sports car track at the eastern end. And I remember watching some television of the sports car racing. And then I, I found out they were racing in Bridgeham, and it's a road circuit. NASCAR raced there in 56. How do you like that trivia? Wow. Well, I, wow, I and, and I didn't go there for NASCAR, I went for sports. <laughs> and uh, I snuck into the pits, so you knew I was going to be a journalist or a lawyer or both. <laughs> and some of the racers started talking to me, and I was hooked. And I, I covered, there's another racetrack in the, in the Upper West, I'm sorry, I, the, the, my email makes a little dingy. Uh, my, uh, in, uh, um, sorry, Lime Rock, Connecticut. Paul Newman used to race there. This was the Trans Am series. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it was awesome. And uh, back when I started in prehistoric days, you could, you know, walk up and talk to anybody. And, and I tell you something, and David, David will tell you this, you know, if you're in a garage, you're in a paddock, and you talk to other racers, it's, it's a, 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 a racing engineer from IndyCar says, I've got two families. I've got my family and I got my racing family. Absolutely true. I'm very blessed to be able to cover everything. Anyway, I, I, uh, I started taking pictures. You may see some, you'll see a picture of me as a photographer. And uh, eventually I worked for an, a national magazine and I got to go to Daytona 
and uh, I fibbed a little. The statute of limitations is over. They said, you know NASCAR? I said, sure, I know NASCAR. So they sent me to photograph Marty Robbins, the country and wow. western star wow. who raced in Daytona. And that was the first time I went to a NASCAR race. But, you know, it was very good because back then, it was about 75, there was not a whole lot of national coverage. So rather than looking at me at some strange guy from New York, they said, oh, you know, we're making the big time. And the people treated me very well. And I stayed. So that's a lesson. Don't treat me well if you want to get rid of me. <laughs> Man, Lewis, that's amazing. You know what's kind of cool? I'm glad I'm not the only one that, that, that would sneak into the racetracks. I'm glad journalists snuck in as well, you know. But, but, like, you were, <laughs> but like you were saying, you know, once you get inside the garage and you get inside the, the industry, you know, it, it's a family, you know, and uh, obviously you, uh, you had a passion for it and you were there and they saw you were there and you were passionate for it. If you're sneaking into a garage area or sneaking into the racetrack, obviously there's a lot of passion there. So, man, that's what a story, man. Look, look at you now. You come a long way, but uh, Marty Robbins, man, that's that. Yeah, that is amazing. My yeah, dad, you're young, you don't even know what I'm talking about. No, I, I know, <laughs> but man, you, t I'm a country fan. I love country and Western music. And, uh, but man, Marty Robbins, my dad used to tell me he worked with a guy named Ronnie Chumley and Tony Bittenhausen Jr. And when they would go to the NASCAR races and compete, when Marty was there, Marty would put on a concert the night before everybody would race. And then, uh, man, my dad told me some great stories about Marty and man, you were there covering him. What was he like? He, he you know, it's, it's so long ago. I mean, I was taking pictures, you know, I, I like to talk a lot. Um, I've been called the Prince of Schmooze, and then the <laughs> Random Goodyear gave me a promotion. Now I'm the King of Schmooze. But, <laughs> but back then, I didn't know anybody, and I knew my mouth would get me in trouble. The only guy I spoke to was Benny Parsons, and we hit it off. He was a wow. wonderful man. He liked detective novels. So, you know, a very secret thing in the garage, if your fans are listening out there, it's great to be a fan. But as David knows, at the end of the day, we're just people. Talk about something in your passion. Benny liked detective novels. That's all I spoke to him. I didn't stick a, a tape recorder in his face. So I, I, to answer your question, I don't remember even speaking to Marty. I think I was a little too shy for change, just taking his picture. But uh, go, youngins out there, go put on YouTube, go to El Paso was his big hit. And, and uh, he was a big star. So did I shock you a little there, David? You see an old guy from New York and all of a sudden, Man, that's that's amazing, man. What a cool story, man. Your first, I mean, Daytona covering Marty Robbins in 1974, 75, whatever year it was. I believe, man, that's like, it don't get much better than that. But, God, man, you, you grab the bull by the horns and ran with it, seems like it, Lewis. Uh, amazing, oh, yeah. you know. Well, that's it. Your law was very stressful. It paid very well. But I got to the point and I said, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? Uh, Mario Andretti has a great quote. He said, and you've heard the first part, it's do what you love and it's, if you do what you love, it's not work. Mario says, I've never worked a day in my life. And that's how I feel. And as a driver, you get, you get in the cockpit, you get behind the wheel, you get up on the wheel, you're in heaven. Man, you know, you know, Lewis, you get it. And uh, I, I, a lot of the race fans understand it, but you know, uh, I mean, we're all blessed here. We're all uh, have a passion for auto racing, and there's so many forms of jobs in our industry. And uh, yeah. to be able to, to make it at the level that you made it at, and Dominic and Tyler as well, you know, 
And you're right. You're absolutely right. It's stressful and how much work it is. You really never, ever work a day in your life. If you, if you have such a passion and love for something and you do that for a living, you never work a day in your life. And I, I, I truly believe everything you just said, Lewis, no doubt about it. I'd like to add, today there's a lot more opportunities. Parents or teenagers out there, do your science because there's a lot of arrow. There's a lot of things. You don't just have to be a driver. No offense, David. <laughs> you, you, there's a lot of really great jobs out there. So get your schooling, learn, learn stuff and apply because you can make your dream happen, you know, but you got to get the basics in. So, and there's also, as you know, in Mooresville, there is a NASCAR Institute. So there's that. But, you know, there's many more avenues today. You know, when I was a kid, you just kind of pushed your way in like I did. Shame <laughs> but but uh, there's a lot of ways to get in today. And uh, uh, very important to, you know, learn all this stuff ahead of time. So, Lou, no, no. I have to ask you, man, did you ever try your hand at racing yourself? All right. <laughs> I've got a million stories. So, uh, in, in IndyCar... Uh, there was Team Green. It, it eventually evolved. It's now Andretti. It was Andretti Green. Now it's Andretti. So they did a thing for journalists. Now, I lived in New York. Now, I can drive a stick shift, David. I'm one of the three <laughs> people. Oh, and, and, and Brad and Williamson Tobacco had a thing. Come out to Las Vegas Motor Speedway and we'll put you in this driving school. Okay. I had never driven a race car. And they put me in a 1600cc Formula V. Your butt is about six to eight inches off the ground. The first day I was there, they just had us drive circles in a full face helmet. I wanted to toss my cookies. I was like, oh. I don't know. <laughs> but I get out on the track. They have a, uh, I think it's a 1.2 mile road track inside Las Vegas, mm -hmm. in the main track through the parking lot. And what I didn't know, there was a bunch of ringers from other magazines. So. Anyway, long story short, at the end of the of the the this, uh, the end of this thing, it was uh, Kenny Irwin had gone through this stuff, the the serious part, because they talked about engineering, they talked about media relations. Really, was a great course, but this was very compact. But the punchline here is, we all got a nickname after the course was over. I was the next woman to enter the Indy 500. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Lewis, sounds like y'all. Sounds like you guys had a good time. It's the most fun I've ever had in clothing. <laughs> man, that's, that's awesome. And, uh, man, that is wonderful. I, uh, man, you've been doing this for four decades. What are some of the, uh, some of the most intriguing or some of the stories, or, you know, what's, I'm sure you have two or three of your favorite things that you covered in, it don't have to just be NASCAR racing, maybe Indianapolis 500, IndyCar, or drag racing, whatever it may be. But what are the, some of the it, most interesting stuff, something that, that stayed with you for a long time after you covered it and couldn't believe that it was going on in our industry? The one thing, the one thing, and Robbie Gordon, who raced in NASCAR, is the Baja 1000. Wow. I've covered hundreds of races, again, in Europe and South America, Japan. You go to the Baja 1000, and, and uh, I could take up the whole show. It, it is amazing. Uh, they crisscrossed this Mexico one. You like my, you like my story, so the, the thing is, we're in a chase vehicle, okay? And uh, 
the thing is, you never knew where there was gasoline. So they would say, don't pass gas in Mexico. <laughs> if, you saw, if you saw a gas station, you stopped and, right. and you topped off because it, you didn't know. But uh, uh, it was amazing. Uh, well, here's the other thing. I was supposed to be in a, a Toyota was Ivan Stewart. The, the Ivan, king, Stewart. Wow. Ivan Stewart. I mean, this guy is amazing. Oh, yeah. I thought of another story for a second. So the He's king, Richard Petty of NASCAR racing, basically. Oh, God, yeah, the king. Yes. The king. This, this is racing like you can't believe. I've been to Robbie's shop here near Huntersville. Okay, right. I've known Robbie a long time. But so they said, would you like to do a test ride with Ivan Stewart? I said, sure. So he's telling me about things. Now, here's something most, most of us don't know. He said, you know, there's people who set traps for these cars. They crisscross uh, uh, Baja South, Baja Sud, uh, Baja, the Peninsula Baja. And I said, how do you know when there's a trap? He says, when there's people where they shouldn't be. I know they've set a trap. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. Uh, another story. Man, uh, listen, so you, don't even, you never even realize that. I mean, just the... Just to run that race, what little I know about it, but the challenges of the of the of the terrain is already over the top. And yep. you're telling you're telling me that this is interesting. You're telling me that the people out there set traps for the racing vehicles. They want to see them crash and do crazy things. Some of them. I mean, this is you know, it's it's not every place, but it's right, just absolutely. Part of Wow. I got to tell you, as a New Yorker, though, I read about some drug raid and I was scared to poop. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see anything of that. We started in Ensenada and ended in La Paz and uh, supposed to get a ride. Les Unger with Toyota is no longer there, but he was Les, the marketing guy. Les Underwood, great man, great man. He, yes. he had arranged the helicopter and, uh, and there was two high winds for us to go in, a, in that car. So uh, we ended up in a chase vehicle of Toyota. Now I got to brag, I got to brag. I'm a New Yorker. I know city <laughs> streets that meet like this. And so they had a playbook. This was before GPS. I told right. you, oh, <laughs> I got have a notebook. And I'm hearing him say directions. Uh, I'm sitting in the back seat. We, we got this professional chase driver, okay? And he's telling the driver, the navigator, and he's telling the driver what to do. And so he's reading out this instruction. I'm sitting in the back seat with Mike Harris of Associated Press. Uh, it was kind of like Wade and uh, Wade and Higgins. That's how we were. <laughs> David will know that. It's two, two of you guys. Oh. Classic NASCAR journalists. Yes. Wonderful people. So anyway, the guy reads out, make a left turn at the power station. Okay. We don't turn at the power station. We, we turn at a little repeater or whatever. I'm not going to open my mouth. I got a big mouth, but I'm not going to open my mouth because he's the professor. He got lost. <laughs> so what you're saying, Lewis, you should have opened your mouth. <laughs> I should have. <laughs> so not to, but it, so it, Lewis, yeah. in those chase vehicles, I mean, it ain't like you're on the highway and everything. You're riding smooth. I mean, I mean, you're, you're out in the terrain. It's not an easy ride. Well, no, they're on Mexico One. I got to tell you this. So there was another guy, Marty Fioca. He worked with a, a shock absorber company. And his 65-year-old dad, Ziggy, was driving this. It was a, uh, you know what to call this better than me. It was like a Ford 150, but bigger with a camper in okay. the back. And the thing is, for the competitors, they would zigzag across Baja. But we took Mexico One. 
Mexico, what is a two-lane road? 20 minutes on the way, Ziggy gets a little too close to the, uh, the, the uh, center line. Bang! The, the, the left side mirror gets taken away by a truck. So he's constantly, he's constantly cheating to the right. Okay, Baja Sud is below sea level. All of a sudden, now we're in the middle of the night, a truck comes near, he veers off to the, the berm, and, and we hit a, uh, a, 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 a drainage pipe or something, bam, flat tire. Luckily, this thing had four tires on the back, but we're stuck in the middle of nowhere. And I'm thinking, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. The drug, <laughs> drug boards are out there. <laughs> yeah, but we, had, we had a radio and, and, and uh, a two-way radio, and there was a guy in a helicopter called Angel, Angel, you know, and the Toyota team came to change our profession because this had been rented from the Cal uh, from uh, in Los Angeles. And it said, if you get a flat tire, call the CAA. Well, there's no CAA, California Auto Association. Well, we didn't die, and, and, and I'm here telling you the story. That was all the races I've ever been. I've been to Daytona, Lamar, Indianapolis, Monaco. That wow. There was nothing like it. You got to talk to Robbie sometime when you see him. Maybe he'll get you in one of those things. Absolutely. That's that's we, had, we had Brendan Gaughan on not too long ago, and he talked about Baja, Baja, you know. But it sounds like to me, hell, just being in the chase vehicle, you know, y'all were in danger. Man, that sounds like a road I don't want to be on, man. <laughs> yeah, I survived this, this guy from New York. You'll survive. If that's all. What a story, man. That's pretty cool. So, that, man, that's, that's awesome. Lewis, uh, you, you've covered so many different drivers or crew chiefs, owners, whatever, through all these racing series over the years. Who have been some of your favorites uh, to, to, to chat with in, in cover over the years? Well, I got to start with Mario Andretti. And wow. the thing about Mario is when I go back to saying people get it, he's, he can talk to you about drag racing, motorcycle racing, NASCAR really is. He won the Daytona 500. 1967. You know? Yep. The, yeah. he, he is the most complete person I've ever met. He's, you know, uh, he grew up under, under threats of Nazi Germans occupying Italy. Wow. You know, a lot of people don't know this stuff. Amazing. And, and wow. he came over here with he and Aldo, who just passed away, his twin brother. Sad. Uh, they came over with almost nothing, running away from the communists in, from Yugoslavia. It's too long to tell you the story about, about parts of Italy. And, but anyway, he came over, they made a life. Then he started dirt track racing in Nazareth and stuff like that. He can sit with kings and queens and he can sit with 16-year-old with motorcycle racers. He, he really is amazing and, and no airs. No, I mean, it's just so easy to talk to. And, and you know, I had a holy trinity of, of my gods early on, David. It was Mario, <laughs> Mark Donahue, who raced wow. for Penske, and a Scottish wow. driver named Jim Clark. I never got to meet Clark. He died in 67. But two years ago, I got to go to the Jim Clark Museum in, in Dunes, Scotland. Wow. And I paid my respect. And you would have loved Jim Clark, though. He was also, he owned a sheep farm. <laughs> he, he, he owned a sheep farm. Yeah, family sheep farm. Well, he wasn't racing. He tended the flock. Wow, and, I never uh, knew that. Yeah. These Formula One cars in the 60s, you could, it looks, you could, looks like you could have bent it, you know, with two fingers. Definitely Danica could bend it with, she's so strong <laughs> with the leg muscles. But, uh, 
Uh, that's uh, it. Yeah. He, he drove these things. And he won world championships, and uh, I never got to meet him. And uh, but I but I, I paid my respects uh, two years ago up in Scotland. So these were my heroes. I spoke to Mark a little uh, before he died in a Formula One after a Formula One wreck in Austria. But Mario uh, and uh, but I sent Tyler a picture of Mark Martin. I got to tell you, you know. Many drivers are friendly, but for decades, Mark Martin was one of the most accessible as a person beyond his driving. And uh, one of the first people, you know, I, I hung out with a little, I don't want to brag too much, but, you know, again, I moved to Charlotte. I have some friends, but, uh, you know, Arlene said, come on over. I've never been invited over to my house before, you know. So, uh, Mark, too, is, is absolutely, you know, he, he's right up there. I, I, again, I got into stock car racing and NASCAR a little later after my sports car stuff, but uh, there's so many. Uh, hey, I, I get along with Ryan Newman. Are you listening, Ryan? He doesn't get, supposedly <laughs> doesn't get along, but I get along with Ryan pretty well. Uh, lots of the IndyCar guys, lots of the sports car guys. You know, again, just golden rule, just talk to people. Um, and like, I talk a lot, so they like that. I put, well, David will remember Mike Mulhern. Again, you guys oh, will. Yeah. Mulhern had, had a tape recorder in your face constantly. Yeah, yeah. I said, you don't get stories that way. No. You know, just chat. No. And, and I mean, there's so many. Don Miller of Penske was a great yeah. guy I got to know. I got to tell you someone I don't think anybody here has heard of, but the groundskeeper, when I say groundskeeper, he did the track at Indianapolis, this Clarence Cagle. He, he knew racing tracks and he knew everybody. And I'd sit and keep my mouth shut and listen to his stories. You know, he was a wonderful man uh, at, at Indy. Oh, there's just so many people in racing. Uh, golly, even in Formula One. Formula One is tough. I got to say that. Um, they, sometimes they look at pe they look at us Americans as country cousins. I gotta say, <laughs> you are from New York, Louis. <laughs> they say, "Hey, we rescued your butts twice in the 20th century. Give me a little respect." <laughs> but but I've, been in, I've been in Monza. You haven't seen banking till you've seen the parabolica in Monza. David. Wow, that's amazing. I've I've only seen it in pictures. Unbelievable. IndyCar's race there in 1661 and. Oh, I, I can't believe they were there. You know, like the cliche was that was when the racing tires were skinny and the drivers were fat. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, wow. I, I can't believe that. The, the parabolica there, absolutely stunning. Uh, when, when you walk up to it and, you, and it's like, oh, I, I got a banking story for all of you now. Awesome. So first, the first IndyCar, and you're going to like this because this is NASCAR and Formula One. Yeah. So for the first, for the first, Indy, uh, the first Formula One race at Indy, I get an invitation from SKF Bull Bearings, and it's going to be Ross Braun of Ferrari, and and uh, uh, it was Jeff Burton of Roush, and uh, so Ross Braun was talking about the challenges of the high banking of Indy. No, it was Jack Roush. It was Roush himself. Okay. And Ross Braun was talking about this terrible 11, 12 degree banking. And Jack <laughs> gets up and says, "We consider this a low bank track." Yeah, it's very low bank track. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Wow, Lewis, you are uh, unbelievable, man. Just to hear you speak and all the different stories and uh, just to reflect on Mark Martin, man, you know, 
Mark Martins, uh, not only is this one of the all-time best NASCAR race car drivers ever, but what a great person and, and just a class act. I'm hearing you speak about Mark, and, man, I, I understand everything you're telling me. What a great man, uh, great race car driver, but even just a, just a, just a, a winner as a person. And uh, Ryan Newman, Ryan Newman is a, a hard charger, Great. I mean, I love Ryan. He's a good dude, you know, but he's a, he's a, we're racers. I mean, you know, that's what we do. I mean, we're, you know, once we put that helmet on, we're, we, we become different people, but Ryan's great family, but man, I just, I love hearing your stories, man. That's, a, that's amazing. So I said, I sent a picture to Tyler. I, he said he's going to show it, but if he shows it or not, you, you're going to love this. So, uh, the year, the year that Mark was uh, voted into the Hall of Fame, again, before his induction, he had, I guess he had he'd fully retired from NASCAR. And I'm at Indy during a practice day. And, and as you know, I mean, the garage area is huge. Mm -hmm. And Mark is there wandering around and no one notices him because it, I guess it wasn't open to the public at this time. And he's just walking around. He's not going into the garage. It's like going into somebody's hall, right? And I see him and I say, hey, Mark, I, congratulations. He says, yeah, I just heard. I said, you want to go in a garage? You know, and of course I, I knew people. So I think I'm this big shot, you know? And I take, <laughs> I take him into the garage and I say, guys, this is Mark Martin. Who is there? Some former Roush guys. <laughs> and I say, I'm out, enjoy. And they showed him all the little parts and everything, and he was asking questions, and it was beyond my technical. I'm a storyteller. I, I really, I know what, what, where the engines go, you know, I, I know that stuff, but, but when he was talking to another guy from Roush, I said, Mark, enjoy now. But he, he's walking around, he's a NASCAR Hall of Famer who raced at, at there, and he's walking around like a very shy, respectful person. That's what I love about him. I mean, absolutely soul to the earth. And, really was, it was such a pleasure that I got, I got to walk him into a garage so he could talk to somebody. You know, Lewis, it's just, you know, the word that comes to my mind and knowing Mark, like I know him, very humbled, very humbled man. I mean, he, 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 he didn't tell you how great he was. He showed you how great he was. You know what I mean? And that's, that's humbleness. When you say Mark Martin, I think a winner as well. And uh, what a great story. And he was probably, you know, like all of us, uh, when I go to Indianapolis still, we've been racing there for a long time now, but man, I just, I walk around in awe, just taking it in, just, just to be there at the speedway, so much history, you know what I mean? And every, every time I step on the grounds of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, you know, I, I think of just all the history and how long it's been there still just that great feeling, just, it's still amazing. And I'm sure Mark was probably doing the same thing. He was like a little kid, you know, when he got up close to the Indy car and, and he was asking really educated questions. Mm -hmm. He was on another plane. He was just, this smile came from within, you know, exactly. like I said, that's why I left because I, I couldn't improve. But again, as you said, very humble. He was not going to walk into anybody's garage. He could. I'm sure the other, in another team, I don't know about Penske or Ganassi, nothing against those guys, right. you know, but, but if you get an introduction, I got one more. Can I tell you another? Can, a Brooklyn, New York connection to Richard Childress and NASCAR and Dale Earnhardt. 
Wow, that's awesome. We, we, we want to hear it. Come on. We, exactly. That was your yeah, absolutely. It's, just, it's, it's like, an honor, it's man. Good, Keep talking. That's <laughs> a really good Dale Earnhardt story if they've been around long enough. What are some of your favorite memories? Yeah, well, this is one of them. Um, again, you know, I, I, I will not be shy. I'm a bright guy. And <laughs> so uh, one of the NASCAR banquets, um, I get a press release from Chevrolet that Lou LaRosa, do you remember Lou? Is that oh, yeah, he was the engine builder for RCR. I, I, I spent some time with him a couple of years ago in Daytona, man. You, and kind of like Lou, you, yourself, Louis, stories after stories, and they're real. You're thinking, no, there's no way. They're real. Absolutely. So, so um, the night before the, night before the, the, before the, the, uh, the banquet, Friday nights they had it, um, uh, Chevrolet made a dinner on Thursday, and I see Lula Rose is from Brooklyn. I was born in Brooklyn. This could wow. be a good, a good connection. So I walk over. I said, Lou, I'm Louis Frank, and I'm from Brooklyn too. Oh, and we start chatting. So come January, um, on the media tour, okay, 180 people to 200. We go to Childress in Lexington, and uh, Lou sees me. And like 180 people go to one place to talk to Dale and Richard. Lou says, come here. And he, he takes me into the engine shop. They weren't allowing anybody. As a matter of fact, a little neuron fired off. He was buying some, some piston heads from Cosworth. Nobody from NASCAR was looking at Cosworth in England for piston heads. So I might be revealing one of, uh, one of the engine secrets back then. And, but I'd go to, I went to Daytona in February and he's coming to the garage. And I said, holy crap. I'm in Dale Earnhardt's garage and invited. <laughs> and, and I had a very good relationship. I know he left, he's got some engine, he's got some teaching thing. If you see him, tell him Lewis Frank from Brooklyn. The, I, you know. I, I, if I see him, I, I hope to see him here and in, in shortly. And uh, I, I, I can't wait to see him and hopefully I do uh, because I'd I, I love to share that story with him, but man, I, uh, when I seen him a couple years ago in Daytona, man, I sat there, I, I want to say almost two hours wow. and just listened to his stories. It was just one-on-one. -on -one. We had another gentleman uh, uh, join us, but man, just to hear his stories uh, about the time that he was at Childress and all the engines he built that Dale Earnhardt won. But, but even before that, you know, how he got in the business and how he learned engines, it was pretty, pretty cool. And, I, and I'm kind of like you, Lewis. If you just listen, it's amazing what people will tell you, what you can learn. It's amazing. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I, please keep talking. <laughs> oh, I, I have so many stories. What, you remember Ed Hinton, the writer? I Ed, don't. Yeah, I've heard the name. Ed Hinton is a brilliant writer, but he has an ego, okay, <laughs> which has gotten him in trouble. But. So this is a Formula One story, but you'd like it because, David, you remember Leo Mel, who was the head of Goodyear Racing. I, I remember, yep, sure do. And, and Leo, Goodyear is, has always been great to me. Um, yeah, and they were in everything back then, Formula One, IndyCar, NASCAR. And they did some wonderful things. So, uh, okay. So going back to the 90s, CART, you know, which is now IndyCar, had a better show than Formula One. So they had a Formula One race in downtown Phoenix. It was a big disaster, an ostrich race on the other side of town out through this Formula One race. 
But uh, Formula One was very jealous uh, of, of, uh, of IndyCar. So at a press conference, Jean-Marie Balest from Paris. Wow. Oh, uh, if you race the next week, there was this kart race in Australia, which I went to again with Mike Harris. And uh, they have this big press conference. And anyone who, who, uh, anyone who races in Australia, we're going to have their license revoked. That's a big deal. From F1. Yeah. No, no. License. Anyway, Goodyear, anything because of the ACO, like George Silberman is the president of ACUS and before him, Bertie Marcus. Yes. Everybody races under the FIA. I'm getting a little too much inside baseball here, folks. Pardon me for a second. But NASCAR is a member of ACUS. Yes. And I, I know, I, yeah, automobile, well, automobile, automobile Competition Club of the U.S. And they are subject to the rules of the FIA, Federation International Automobiles, in Paris. So Hinton raises his hand and he, he asks Balest, well, um, will, will Goodyear be banned because, because they're on the Indy cars? And Balest says, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So Mike Harris, Ed Hinton, and I go over to Leo Mel's uh, little motorhome, <laughs> knock on the door. Hey, Leo. We hear you're going to be banned in NASCAR and IndyCar. You know that smile he had, Leo? <laughs> he says, I'm not in trouble now, but if I talk to you guys, I will be. Click. <laughs> uh, they didn't ban anybody. Goodyear still did and still does provide tires for NASCAR. And uh, it's over to Firestone now, Bridgestone, Firestone, and IndyCar. But that was another fun moment. What a, uh, what a story, uh, Lewis. I mean, I never knew. I mean, that's that's interesting that you you're 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 telling us that Formula One racing at a point in time was jealous of our IndyCar racing here in the United States. It was a better show. I mean, the IndyCars even then were kind of spec cars. There's only one or two chassis, right? Two or three engines, and and a lot cheaper, a lot cheaper than Formula One. You know. Um, they used to. They said they used to spend unlimited budgets <laughs> in Formula One. Uh, when when Gene, but the thing that blew my mind was when Gene Haas said the the price of a, a cup car is now approaching a Formula One car twenty million. You know, at some of the top levels. But back then, you could run NASCAR for a lot less than Formula One. The difference is in Formula One. Uh, again, I don't want to get too much inside baseball, but more or less, the teams build from the ground up. You can buy or lease an engine, okay? Right. But everything else, there's, again, there's some rules. I don't want to get into the weeds on that. Sure, sure, so, sure. But it's very expensive. They have their own wind tunnels. I mean, uh, Mark Donahue said they, they use a material called unobtainium. Uh, unobtainium? <laughs> That's awesome, man. Unobtainium. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you ever get a chance to go to a Formula One factory, it's not a shop. But, but the, I tell you, the cup cars now are, they're right there. What outsiders don't realize is how much science goes into cup cars. Oh, man. Lots and lots. Technology. Well, Lewis, uh, well, Lewis, speaking of all that, uh, one more question before we get to our news and notes segment. I want to ask you, and this is kind of a loaded question, but it goes along those same lines. What, what do you make of just the state of auto racing right now, where, where everything stands between the series you mentioned, NASCAR, IndyCar, F1, all those things. Uh, wh what would you say that the health is of the, of the uh, major motorsports uh, worldwide right now? No, I don't have any short answer. But I'm first going to talk about NASCAR and IndyCar. Let me talk first about IndyCar. Roger Penske, who is the super fan and the super, 
the best thing that ever happened to IndyCar was him buying the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and IndyCar because he's got a heart like, like Bill France Sr., who I never met, and Bill France Jr. I mean, he, it's not the money. He really, this, this is his DNA. IndyCar will be fine. It, it's got things, but they're expanding. But I have to tell you, NASCAR, uh, I'm not blowing smoke up your skirts. They did the best job last year. You didn't hear about COVID like the NFL or some of the other things. And you see the new teams coming on. It's a very healthy sport. And I've been, you know, the one thing, David, I have that really helps. I may not be a young, attractive woman who can interview drivers. I've got gray <laughs> hair. And you know the people with gray hair I talk to. So they tell me stuff. Uh, and they told me that the, that the next-gen car has made it possible for all these new teams to get started. And that's a sign of great health. Uh, as, a, as a sports car guy in that, I love the next-gen cars. I can't wait to see them. I love the sound of them. And so NASCAR is in a very good place. So Formula One is tough because they got all, I mean, I, again, I don't want to get into the weeds with the rules, but they got very complicated with power units. It's not engines. And they're changing the rules again. And there's like four guys who could win a race. And it got away from the racing. It's too much aero, not enough horsepower. But it's just like that in any series. Give them the engines, take away the downforce, and let the drivers drive. Absolutely. I'm, I'm out on technical. I'm out, David. I can't tell you anymore, but I know that works. So, yeah, but, but I know it works. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go no, ahead, David. Just, I, I, I just I, – I love to hear Lewis's perspective. It's, it's very interesting, and uh, – I totally, I totally agree with uh, with you on the NASCAR stuff. I think that you know the health of the sport obviously is. Uh, there's been some challenges, but just talk about the NASCAR side. You do look at 2020, such a challenging year for the whole world, and NASCAR did a tremendous job. Tremendous job. You didn't hear about people getting COVID and and what they did to keep the the sport running. And the competition on the racetrack was unbelievable. And to crown all the champions and have it come down to the last race, I mean, Lewis, what you're saying, I, I, I totally stand right behind you, beside you. NASCAR did a heck of a job with the 2020 well, season. To add to that, David, when you look ahead to 2021 here, this new schedule, you know, <laughs> the, the changes that are coming in, this seemed like this uh, – I know it remains to be seen how the races themselves actually unfold, but, Lewis, this new schedule with these, you know, places that they're going and such, this seems like just the spark NASCAR needed of some sorts to carry on from a strong 2020. Yeah, things, things evolve. But, again, going back, I mean, I, you know, David actually driven it. I've covered it for 40 years. No practice, no qualifying, you know. You can't talk to your crew chief. And they put great machines out on the track. And, and the people, the management said, okay, we've got to make some changes because this is not 1949 anymore. You know, we, we've got to mix it up a little. Uh, you know, Bristol going dirt, you know, old school, new school. Uh, seven road courses. Man, I love Road America. I mean, for everything. I, mean, I know Xfinity raced there. Indy cars were amazing. Uh, if you get there, I don't know if you uh, – forgive me, David. If you didn't run there, try the double brats sometime. Double brats. <laughs> uh, work out before and after because you're going to get very full. Uh, 
but, but Road America is a gorgeous, a gorgeous uh, part of America. Well, it's an hour and a half outside of Milwaukee. Coda, oh my Lord, uh, Circuit of the Americas, you know. Uh, uh, I went there, uh, Shell flew a bunch of us, thank you, Shell, flew a bunch of us <laughs> from, from, uh, during a cup weekend uh, to meet with the Ferrari team. And that track, Formula One, like I said, they know how to spend money. I mean, you can almost eat off the track. That's how great it is in the tower there. There's a lot of elevation changes. That's going to be very challenging for drivers. You know, I look at that. And, and the Roval, I, I'm sorry. I love, I love the Xfinity race last year. Forgive me. <laughs> my, my two things as a non-racer, I look at how a driver races against the teammate and how you race in the rain. To me, that's the, that's the top test. And, and to watch people who aren't used to racing in the rain find their way, you know, that is, I mean, look, you know, the race cars are accidents that just haven't happened. Throw a little water on the track, you know? <laughs> hey, Lewis, we can, I, I tell people, I can't do a dry, and then you're going to let it rain, and we got to <laughs> race in the rain? Come on now, guys! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hey. oh, that's good. That's good. Guys, uh, we got a few more things before we go here. It's time for our NASCAR news and notes segment. Dominic, I'll hand things over to you. It has been a very eventful few days as uh, we're counting down to Daytona here, Dominic. Gosh, it really, really has. At the time of the recording of this podcast, we just got 13 days to the Great American Race, but a lot of news to catch everybody up on. On the show every week, we kind of just highlight the top news and notes from around the industry and get everybody's reaction around it. So this past weekend wrapped up the Rolex 24 with Wayne Taylor racing, taking the victory in the Rolex 24. Some of the NASCAR connections in that race, Jimmy Johnson in the action express 48 car was second. AJ Allmendinger in the Myers shank car was fourth. Chase Elliott sixth in class and eighth overall with the action express 31 and Austin Dillon in the wear car. Rick Ware racing number 51 was 10th and fourth overall in the LMP two class. Guys, uh, let's start with you, Lewis. What did you make of the uh, Rolex 24? Uh, you know, when I started covering Rolex, a little bit like NASCAR, the winner would lead by two or three laps. And it seemed like in every class, uh, you know, it was tight. And, and Ganassi, was, his car was going was gonna to win until he got the tire problem. And that was a shame. But I liked it. The one thing I didn't care for was to wreck on the opening lap. Come on, it's a 24-hour <laughs> race. Bad enough in a 500-mile race. Come on, guys. <laughs> you got to go to the end. But uh, I used to go to the 24 hours. My attention span runs about a, to a 500-mile NASCAR race. That's it. <laughs> Three hours, I'm done. So I, I kind of helicoptered in. But, the, again, the level of the competition, the preparation of the cars was great. Uh, if you've never done the – if, listen, not everybody gets to go to Le Mans. And uh, thank you, Chevy and General Motors, because they <laughs> – you got to say that. But uh, – you know, uh, definitely, you know, by next year, you know, Lord willing, anybody wants to go. I highly recommend it. Very entertaining. There's a lot more restaurants across uh, what used to be Volusia Boulevard. Um, all in all, it's great entertainment and, and, it, and it can whet your appetite. Because, you know, I watched that interview before the race with Jimmy Johnson and Elio Castroneves. And remember I said about Mark being like a little kid? Those two being interviewed they were not 40-year-old veterans. They were like little kids, you know? So I, I thought it was a great event, a great opening event. So there you go. That's my, that's my impression of, uh, of, uh, of the Rolex. Now, what do you think, David? 
Man, kind of what Lewis was saying, what really strikes me is just the, the, the talent, Formula One, NASCAR, you know, I mean, the, the talent was from A to, A to Z. I mean, it was unbelievable, you know, and, and to see our NASCARs competing against these worldly drivers, you know, uh, you know I, I was paying attention to it. And kind of like what Lewis was saying, he said years past, you had a car that was going to win the race two or three laps he'd have on everybody. And what I see, the competition, man, there were, there were three, four cars right by each other after 22 hours. It's, it's amazing, you know, and the, these machines and the, and the technology, it, it, the whole thing is just, uh, it's new to me. I don't know much about that, that kind or that form of, uh, of sports car racing, but man, it's worldwide and uh, people love it. And I was, I couldn't take myself away from the television because it was really entertaining. And to see Rick Ware with Cody Ware, you know, they had a car and I was watching them. They were in fourth place for a long time. You talk about a NASCAR team owner that had his own, and, and, and excuse my ignorance, but what was the name of that? series uh lewis that uh uh Is it the michelin pilot series or uh, yeah but man it, i, oh, I forget about the class the class yes sir the class uh oh boy there's five classes now you put me on the spot now lmp it something it was yeah. one of the top one of the top classes you know yeah. what and they have is at the top there's three levels of prototypes okay there, there's uh the dpi and then lmp that's lamont prototype 2l and then they got the GT cars. GT Grand Touring, you know, it was a lot simpler when I was young. You had <laughs> over two liters, under two liters. <laughs> now yeah. it's alphabet yeah. soup. So they it was exciting. Uh, I watched a lot of it myself. Guys, uh, you know, as somebody that's not a racer, I was sitting back watching it and I was saying to myself, you know, if money weren't a factor or anything like that, if I could just choose to race anything, of any form of auto racing, I would want to do sports cars. That to me would be the most fun out there is drive just these, you know, uh, these sports cars out there would be exciting. Uh, Dominic, what'd you take away from it? I didn't get to see much of the race, but I think just kind of echoing what Lewis and Dave have to say, just the talent from F1, IndyCar, NASCAR, the people who run the series full time. It was just a, a great uh, pool of talent there that ran at Daytona in, in this 2021. Rolex 24 was no exception. Hey, moving on real quick, too, to some of our other NASCAR news and notes segment here. I mean, guys, the, the hottest potential free agent of the 2021 market is no longer available. February 1st, Joe Gibbs Racing announced that Denny Hamlin will be coming back in a multi-year deal. Although the, the details were not exactly disclosed of what's going to happen, FedEx is returning. Denny Hamlin will be at Joe Gibbs Racing for quite some time, a place he has called home in the NASCAR Cup Series since 2006, racking up 44 wins and two championship four appearances the last two years. Yeah, incredible to see uh, Denny, what he's done uh, there at uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. And, and Lewis, uh, that championship for Denny, I mean, we're, we're seeing him really start his prime. You know, he's really just now in his prime. That championship's got to come sooner than later, right? No question. My mentor, this Mike Harris of Associated Press, told me once upon a time, you've heard this, David, you got to lose a championship to win a championship. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, Gibbs' cars are great. I, frankly, I was shocked that, that Kyle Busch last year, you know, struggled. But, I mean, but the thing is, too, I mean, uh, uh, Denny 
he's matured. They've got they've got the equipment. He's got he's got the crew chief. So I mean, he's obviously look. He made he made the, he made the final four. So uh, who knows? I hope he just doesn't get too distracted as a car owner. Absolutely, absolutely. That that comes to mind. But you know, I think if you if you look at Joe Gibbs, uh, at, at Joe Gibbs Racing and Toyota, and you have that nucleus, that crew chief Denny Hamlin, those race cars. I mean, and, and, and to hear what Lewis was saying, he's you had to lose one, and he's lost a couple of them, but he was so close there in Phoenix uh, that they're, they're going to be a contender in 2021. And I, and I didn't think that Joe Gibbs and Toyota was going to break up that nucleus because it's so strong. And, Tyler, like you were saying, they're just kind of coming into – they're in their prime, you know what I mean? Why break that up? I couldn't see – breaking that nucleus up. So I wasn't surprised. You know, I was kind of surprised that they hadn't signed him to an extension earlier, but not surprised that they finally did. Yeah. Exactly. 13 wins in the last two years with that organization. It's like Denny Hamlin has had a resurgence in his career. Lewis, would you kind of say that maybe he's this generation's Mark Martin? Yeah, absolutely. The best driver without a championship. You know, the thing is the format, as exciting as it is for me as a fan, it boils down after all these struggles, after the first 26, after the rounds, you have one bad race. And, and that, Marvick about Martinsville. And that's what I was going to say. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tough, you know, because you look at Kevin Harvick, and, and I'm going to ask you guys, how many wins? Did he have nine wins? Nine, nine wins. I mean, yeah. to have nine wins and not even have a shot, at the last race for a championship, to me, I mean, and like you were saying, Lewis, the form, the way the format works is, I mean, consistency, you got to win races. And if you got a hookup, it'll put you out of that chase. You know, it's kind of interesting, but exciting. It keeps people glued to that television, glued to NASCAR. And, it, and I'll tell you, since NASCAR's come up with this format, I'll tell you what, it's exciting. Hey, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a numbers guy. So all I got to do is wait for wait for the last race of the year, whether it's Homestead <laughs> or Phoenix. Now I know whoever beats the other three guys. TV, it's a winner, right? TV goes on and oh yeah, got the points and this and chase points and uh, leave me out of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, before we trend, before we transition, guys, Dominic, I, I would just add, um, look at Chris Gabehart. I mean, he has been probably the best thing that's ever happened to Denny Hamlin's career. Um, that crew chief pairing the last two years has been as good as any pairing in the sport right now. I absolutely agree with that. Again, 13 wins over the last two years. We, we were talking two and a half years ago, Danny Hamlin going winless throughout 2018, breaking one of the longest winning streaks in Cup Series history. And, oh, gosh, Danny Hamlin's washed up and then goes out and wins the Daytona 500 in 2019, goes on to win Texas, wins at Kansas, and just continued that streak into 2020. I think – that road to the championship, Danny Hamlin's going to be a part of that over the next few years. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Chris Gabehart deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, Dominic, we have anything else, or are we we good? We're good. We're good. Let's move on to the next segment. All right, uh, final segment. It is our Ask David segment. We ask you to submit questions to us on Facebook, Twitter, and via email. And uh, we got one question, and then I got a surprise after that. So let's start out with uh, a question from. Mary on Facebook. Mary writes, uh, David, 
who do you like to win the Super Bowl? What's your score prediction for uh, Sunday's big game between uh, <coughs> golf, my Kansas City Chiefs and the uh, uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Man, that's that's a great question. And uh, you know, being from Houston, Texas, I'm I'm a Texan. You know what I mean? But you know, the the ownership of the Kansas City Chiefs is owned by you know the Hunt family from Dallas, Texas. And you got Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback. I mean, he's the next Tom Brady. I mean, this guy is – I mean, when we're watching him, we're seeing greatness, you know. Uh, his connection to Texas. Uh, I, I, you know, I got Andy Ross, Dan Ross, great friends of mine that lives in Kansas City that are involved in our NASCAR racing. And, and uh, you know, they sponsor the Chiefs. And, and uh, But, man, I have to say – that I'm a Tom Brady fan, and, and here's why. Because his longevity is kind of like Lewis in the sport. <laughs> no, I mean, really. I'm, never, I'm, I'll, I, I, I'm out. I, I can't. No. I, 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 no one has put me in the same paragraph with Tom no, Brady. No, <laughs> I'm just talking about your longevity in, in our industry, Lewis. I mean, there's no denying what you've done for the industry and how great you are. You know what I mean? It's, it's just it is what it is. And you look at Tom Brady, there's no denying the guy, the guy, I wasn't always a Tom Brady fan, but I respect his ability and I respect his age and how old he is and how great he still is. So, I, I mean, I have lined up and, and just as you learn about these people, uh, that's not my industry, but as I read more about Tom Brady and hear his interviews and pay attention to him, He's kind of like a Mark Martin. He's a great guy. You know, he's humbled. He, he doesn't have to tell you how great he is. He shows you on the football field. And I would like to see a 43- or 44-year-old man win, win the Super Bowl. Now, because Patrick Mahomes is going to, you know, to have to go to the Super Bowl back-to-back, -back, I mean, that guy, he's going to be a Tom Brady maybe even better. But, but you're asking me about our Super Bowl coming up this Sunday. And, and I hate to say this, but I, I won't be cheering for Tom Brady, but I can assure you it's going to be a great Super Bowl. And, and uh, you know, you can't go wrong with either teams, but I'm a Tom Brady fan. So give me your pick, David. Who, who are you going with? What's the score? <laughs> well, I can't give you I – don't, I don't know. I, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's hard to bet against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. I can assure you that. And uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks got their work cut out for them. Uh, I hope they win, but, you know, I think in reality, what's real, it's, it's going to be a challenge. You know what I mean? So that's all I can tell you. I think, it, you know, the, it's going to be hard to beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but I'm cheering for Tom Brady. <laughs> all right. So we got one picking the Chiefs. You guys know I, I got to take my Chiefs. Uh, they've been just phenomenal these last right. two years. We saw these teams play earlier in the season, and the Chiefs just manhandled the Bucs. Uh, it was close because they let it get close. I like the Chiefs to take care of business. 34-27. The Bucs compete, but certainly just not enough horsepower. Lewis, of course I know you're you a football the Chiefs, fan. Tyler, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. I'd take the Chiefs. But I, I would have but that's my honest opinion anyway. I'm, I'm Chiefs 34-27. Lewis, I know you're a big football fan. What do you think of this Super Bowl? Well, I'm a little conflicted as a former New York Giant, Jersey Giant, Joe Namath Jet, now the Panthers. I, I you know, but I, 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 without super knowledge, I go for the old guy. But as you said, I think Tom Brady and Mark Martin, because they could win at any age. Absolutely. And, and I, I think that's a great story. And, and like David said, Mahone, he'll win many championships. 
but uh, so it would be a drop mic moment for uh, for Tampa Bay to, to take it. It'll be close, but uh, I can't, told you I'm not so good with numbers, so <laughs> we'll leave it at that. I, and I don't right. care. <laughs> Kansas City, one for Tampa Bay. Dominic, uh, what do you think? Man, we got to go Tampa Bay. You all know I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, but <laughs> just respecting the heck out of what Tom Brady has been able to do. I love what he's done over the last 21 years in his entire career in the NFL. I'm rooting for the Bucs on Sunday, and come on, guys, they have a home game. They're playing in their home stadium, Raymond James Stadium. You can't tell me, even though Las Vegas has them as the underdogs, they're not going to be more rested, and they're going to be well more fit for the game on Sunday. They don't have to travel. Those Bucs are going to be well rested. The first two to play at home in the Super Bowl. Got to go the Bucs by four. Okay. So there you have it. That's, uh, that's our picks for the Super Bowl. Going to be a lot of fun. Go Chiefs. Uh, let's uh, let's go back to back, guys, uh, for uh, Patrick Mahomes. Most important Super Bowl he'll ever play in, going up against Tom Brady. Uh, last go. question for you. Uh, since we do have uh, a, a professional journalist among us, uh, not like Dominic or I, you know, Lu since Lewis, the Lewis Frank is here, for our Ask David segment, Lewis, I, I just want to turn it over to you. What What's the question you have uh, maybe on your mind for, for David? All right. All right, I'm going to really stick it to you. Uh, Steve Letart said he spoke to some NASCAR crew guys while he was down for the 24. And some of them thought after, after watching all these different classes race, uh, 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 you know, on the road course, what about Xfinity and Camping World Trucks in the same race? What do you think of that? How's Man. that? <clears throat> Man, Lewis, I, I love it. You know what I mean? I think it's awesome. I mean... You know, hey, let's let all the changes going on. Why not go a little bit more and put the trucks and the Xfinity series together? I mean, unbelievable. I, I just think it would be a phenomenal race because the trucks they handle great, they got good power, and uh, you know, the Xfinity cars uh, don't have as much downforce as the trucks do, but I'm all for it. I, I love what Steve Latart is saying. And I agree with them. Let's if the, if NASCAR's changing all this stuff up, we see all the changes. Hey, let's just go a step further. Put the trucks in the Xfinity Series together, and let's run a road race. Absolutely, I, I think that's a. I think that would be really cool. I think the fans would. I mean, I think they would love it. It would be something different. And hey, you never know. It might be so freaking awesome that it might be something that. I mean, it might be something new. Who knows, you know? <laughs> Maybe even throw the cup in there of some sort. Uh, yeah, all right. Let, uh, the small steps. Small yeah, steps. That's right. That's right. That's well, right. Here, here's speaking along those terms, too. <laughs> David, what about uh, – I know the Coke 600 a great race and how long it takes. What about an endurance race of some sorts in NASCAR? What if you guys had to go for 12 hours or 24 or something like that? What would you think of that idea? You know, I uh, – you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. You know, I've always respected the Coca-Cola 600 because of the length of the, of the race, you know. And uh, and then you, you throw on that day, that day to have Monaco, and then you got the Indianapolis 500, and then later that evening you got the Coca-Cola 600. But I, I think it would be freaking – I think – I think – I, I think it's a doable deal. You know, it'd be kind of cool to see NASCAR come out with like a – I don't know, like you said, an eight- or six-hour race. I don't know if they're even talking about that. But why not? You know, why not? You know, uh, if we're going to change all this stuff, you know, like Lewis is saying, trucks and Xfinity, 
And why not give us a, uh, a an enduro race, as y'all call it? You know, I think it'd be kind of cool. I don't know if that's in the cards, but it would surprise me if, if in here in the next two or three years that they don't do something like that. Go ahead, Lewis. I have a historical footnote that'll blow y'all's minds. Sure. Once upon a time, at the 24 hours, they did a special class called GTX. They took some cup cars, and I remember Arturo Mosario, I think it was he, in a Dodge with drum brakes. And this, oh. you could barely get this thing to turn. You know, it was the days where you could stand in the engine bay and all this, and the Porsches are taking the corners. And I don't think he finished, but watching, watching a cup car, you know, with old <laughs> technology, run against the, the, it's absolutely, it was great entertainment. I really don't recommend it, but they gave it a try. GTX, <laughs> look in the 70s, so it did happen. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. And I, I would love to see NASCAR maybe do, I mean, would it be awesome if you had the Chuck Series and the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series kind of do what the 24 hours of Daytona is, you know what I mean? But anyway, I, I think that's way out there. I think that's kind of way out there. I think what Lewis said earlier about Steve LaTarp saying it'd be kind of cool to see a truck race and Xfinity race, blended race, I think that's possible. But I, I don't know about, you know, even even though I'd like to see it, I, I don't know if we ever will, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah. Dalek, what do you think about those ideas? It'd be awesome. I think anything's possible. It's 2021. I would love to see some sort of, <laughs> sort of mixed class there. Absolutely. They're all three series on the track. Maybe like a road course race. Some sort of great equal. It'd have to be a road course race. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, gosh. Guys, it's been a lot of fun. Lewis, we appreciate you joining us, man. Before we let you go, tell the folks where they can find all your work at Reuters and what they can be looking for as uh, you're counting down the days to uh, Daytona, man. Yeah, it's been a little slow. But uh, I've got a weird spelling. Hopefully, my name comes up, L-E-W-I-S-F-R-A-N-C-K. But Google my name and NASCAR jargon. I wrote a piece for Auto Week. Uh, uh, I, I did a funny thing. Uh, uh, oh, now I'm having a senior moment. George Carlin did a wonderful routine. Why do we park in a driveway, drive in a parkway? So I, I did a thing about NASCAR jargon. So a little hint was, when they say on TV, if someone you know, loses an engine, where does it go? Is there a reward <laughs> if somebody finds it? And I just did a total homage to George Carlin. And uh, it's an auto week, NASCAR jargon. And I never won an award. I should have put it in. But I had so much fun. It was like a Tuesday at Daytona. There was nothing to write. Remember the old days at Daytona when they'd have two quiet days? And auto week needed something. So uh, I highly recommend it. And if you like that, you can find some other stuff I've done. Uh, as I said, Reuters is a little quiet these days. Uh, I'm going to be on, uh, not competing, I'm going to do pit reporters tomorrow with, uh, with Brett McMillan. Awesome. So, uh, I'm on the radio more these days. I have a face for radio. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that, that's where it is. And, you know, as soon as I can safely, with, with the competitors, be in the garage, I'll get some more stories for you all. Uh, awesome. Awesome. That's great. Dominic, what's uh, going on on the racing experts uh, this week? Well, our staff continues to just cover the day-to-day -day happenings going around in the NASCAR industry and just follow us along at Twitter, the racing experts. You like winning free NASCAR merchandise? I got to do is just follow and enter. 
your name could be chosen. You could be winning some free NASCAR memorabilia. So we got all that going on this week. Love it. David, uh, next week we'll have a big announcement as far as your plans for 2021 goes. And uh, I know that you're, uh, you're getting excited for, uh, for this to all be finalized in the next couple of days. Yeah, no doubt about it. First of all, I just I want to thank Lewis, man, Lewis. Just love hearing your stories, man. It's it's amazing what you've seen and participated in, in our industry, and, and it's cool to have somebody like yourself on our podcast. So thank you for agreeing to come on with us and uh, share with the fans uh, your knowledge of of our great industry. And uh, man, I look forward to uh, next Monday announcing uh, what we're going to be doing in our in our in NASCAR in 2021. It's, it's going to be my 24th year in, as, as a NASCAR driver. And, man, I, that passion burns, still burns as hot inside my body. And, uh, man, I can't wait to get to Daytona, man. When you drive through that tunnel, I'm like a kid to candy store, you know. I just can't wait to get out there and, and try to win at Daytona, you know. So uh, so pretty awesome. A lot of, a lot of cool stuff going on for – for our whole NASCAR industry and, and to kick off speed weeks and the racing, uh, our racing season uh, this past weekend at 24 hours of Daytona was awesome. So uh, I'm, I'm excited uh, to have all the fans tune in to our podcast and listen to us. And we like to hear some of your feedback, how we can make our podcast better for you fans. Tell us what you want us to, you know, who do you want us to interview? Tell us, you know, it, just give us your honest opinion. But, uh, but I look forward to uh, getting back to getting behind the steering wheel and racing again at Daytona. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, we're excited. Real quick, I just want to kind of throw in again, echoing what I said at the beginning, this show is not possible without the fans. So thank you all for, for tuning in, making these 10 shows possible. We look forward to having these first 10 of many. And just thank you guys so much for, for all you do, because this show is nothing without the fans. Yeah, absolutely. We thank you for listening and joining us uh, each and every week. Uh, big thanks to Lewis Frank also for uh, joining us. For David Starr, Dominic Oregon, I'm Tyler Jones. We'll put the checkered flag out on episode 10 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr and see you next week here on Let's Go Racing. So long, everybody. <laughs>